So like so many of the bands of the of the weird bands of the early and mid eighties influenced a lot of the bands from the nineties. So that segues us into the nineties alt rock albums, whatever, part de part de part de was that Hot Shots? Yes, Hot Shots Part Dieu. Yeah, this is, um, I feel like, I mean, I've talked a couple of times about Bark Market, which was a, you know, 90s New York City hardcore noise core. I don't know what to call them. I don't know what I've they heard were you talk about designated. Them but, you know, the, my, my big thing about them is that the, you know, lead singer was also the songwriter, the mix engineer, the producer, like... He was me. He was that like one-man band, but then he had a kick-ass bassist and a drummer, and he's totally inspired by bands like Oingo Boingo and that like crazy experimental '80s right. stuff. You know, not really the '80s pop so much, but right. and people like he he put a mixtape out on the streets. Um, you know, a, like not a mixtape, but a demo of his stuff that he had produced, and people started coming to him to record their demos. Because the sound that he was was doing was so different. It's right. a really cool Wikipedia dive if you ever go down David Sardi. But he's like a producer and he he does music for movies now. He does, you know, soundtracks and shit. Interesting. But on his Instagram, he's always just posted pictures of old gear. He's right. such a gearhead. It's like nice. distortion pedals and amps and microphones and everything else he's used. Um, but yeah, super influenced by, by the 80s. Because the 80s was like that... You know, I, I always think of it as kind of a rebellion against, you know, the the long-haired sort of, like, hippie, you know... 70s. Waster sort of image of the 70s. Yeah. The 80s was like, we're wearing, you know, we're wearing suits on stage and we're, you know, right. playing pop rock and it's, you know, it's nice and clean and there's keyboards new age, and all yeah, that. The new age, move, new wave movement. <clears throat> yeah. But then as stuff started to get, you know crazy and punk and experimental and sloppy all over again and kind of led into the 90s and that alt-rock. Even, like, Kurt Cobain was fucking huge into the Vaselines and shit like that, which was definitely 80s emo, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he really loved, he loved the Smiths and the Replacements. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all the alternative bands of the 90s idolized the replacements. I mean, a lot of it goes back to their stuff, which I really like. But of course, this is the fucking Jackass song. Yeah. Comes from this album. It's the, it's the oh, song shit. It's the song Corona by the oh, Minutemen. Oh, right. So it's got that iconic opening. And then it's like quiet. It's like this week on Jackass. Oh, God, that's funny. I always thought that was something they just threw together. I knew it was a song from somewhere, but I just I didn't place it until way later. <laughs> we just watched. Speaking of '90s, so we watched singles. Finally, I've, I have yes. now officially seen singles. Yes, which you know, not the greatest movie in the world, but if I had seen it during that, you know, during the height of the '90s, I mean, I was just like infatuated with the the cameos from people. I never get tired of watching that movie. It was so, and I mean, like it was good, but what it led us to was Empire Records. Yeah. We were like, did you ever see? It was one of her. It was one of Melissa's. Yeah, it's like, a chick, total chick favorite, favorite movies. Yeah. And I was like, I remember liking that. Let's get it. Let's watch it. Um, Rexy and actually, is so sexy. <laughs> Rexy, sexy. 
Um, one of the guys that's in it is the uh, the lead singer guitarist from uh, Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. It was another one of those like obscure late '80s, early '90s bands, but yeah. they did the theme song for the Kids in the Hall. Oh, and, like, okay. So, but he's he's the he's the one of the the rockers that you know they play on the roof or whatever at the end. Oh. Um, his name is like Coyote something like. He's got one of those names. Like, is it hard to watch? Is it hard to watch that era live Tyler with your significant other without like <laughs> drooling all over your boner? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, because we're both wearing that you know. mini skirt. Yeah, and no. that fucking whatever she's, uh, dude. She's so hot in yeah. that movie. No, we were. Um, I'm I'm lucky because we were both checking her out. Right. Um, she's, but we we were definitely more. Um, uh, vintage Renee Zellweger. That I was kind of oh, our, I like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Zellweger's so, nice too. I like I like that that kind of snarly. Like she just sucked a lemon through a hose or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At all times, right? Yep. She was really good in um the one with Jim Carrey. Mm, I'm drawing a blank. Uh. Is that like me, myself, and Irene? Or yes. Something? Yes. Okay. God, that movie's fucking classic. <laughs> I love all the Jim Carrey movies. When he man, attacks like... that bull, the dead bull on the side of the road. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when he pulls the uh, dildo out. He's like, he's like, what is this about? She's like, you didn't use it on me. <laughs> oh God. He's like, why am I pissing? Like I had sex all night. There's pee going all over the bathroom. <laughs> Oh, the Farrelly brothers. Oh, yeah, no, that's it's. I would be hard pressed to. It's like one of those things that you know we talked about Monster Squad before. Like, oh yeah, I probably wouldn't show it to my kids, but damn, if I don't, I still would laugh. I would laugh through the whole thing. Oh, I showed Monster Squad to my kids. Oh my God. bad, Dad Squad, right here. <laughs> and it's so inappropriate. I was it watching, is. and I was like, oh, this was kind of a mistake. And I was just like, ah, just roll with it because I couldn't, I, I couldn't turn it off. Yeah, because they were loving it. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, but this like uh, the the movie now now to sort of complete the the nineties rock trilogy of movies. I want to watch uh, Reality Bites. Oh yeah, so Reality good. Bites is so nineties. Just for the soundtrack alone. Oh my God. Yeah. Ethan Hawke at his dreamiest. Ethan Hawke. Yep. More more vintage Winona Ryder and oh um, god Winona Ryder. What's the other guy? Is that poor third guy, man? Ben Stiller. Was it? Ben Stiller was in that. Oh seriously? Yeah. He played <laughs> the he played like the dorky like sellout corporate guy. Oh shit. What were we just watching? And he was oh. like, because he's like he like comes up to Ethan Hawke and he's like he's like what is with you? He's like what? <laughs> he's like why do I feel like I need like a secret hand? Like there's like a prerequisite like it's. <laughs> And he was like, he was like, no, you don't. He's like, you just need it. Oh, see, man, it's been so long since I've actually seen it. That's why I want to watch it. Like, what do I feel like I need a secret handshake with you? He's like, no, you don't need a secret handshake. Just an intelligence prerequisite. (laughs) (laughs) That and Airheads. Yes. So many good like '90s music movies. What did we just watch that had Ben Stiller in it as a cameo? Oh, Mel's never seen Arrested Development. And she was a huge fan of Jessica Walters. So when Jessica Walters passed, um, you know. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. We got to talking about, you know, 
how she's the voice of Mallory Archer and all that stuff. And I said, no, it's time. You gotta watch Arrested Development with me. Huh. <sighs> so, and I was like, you'll you'll understand why whenever I see Will Arnett pop up up in anything, oh, he's the best. I'm like, yeah, he's the best. It's just because of his role in Arrested just his Development. Voice. Oh, dude. Come on, Mike. Job? Come on. Come on! Come on! He's, he's the guy in, in, in the $200 good talk to the guy in, in the $700 suit. Come on! Come on! Come on! Uh, yeah, Job, Job's like one of the greatest characters ever. Mm-hmm. So we're rolling through that right now. Yeah, I've watched that. 90s movies. I've watched that whole series, I think, three times now. <laughs> This is now my third going and through. And it's so, so so sad at the end because the last season is so awful. Like the third season that they tried to make, like oh, so bad. Yeah. Well, did you see four and five? Yeah. That Netflix did bad. Yeah, that was. They were also kind of disappointing. Yeah. It all disappointed me. Yeah. You can't capture the magic of this. The first two seasons. No. No. It was way ahead of its time, and that's why it got canceled because people didn't get it. And it was on network TV. Right. Well, I feel like the same thing happened to Community because Community was... So we're watching. That's funny you say that. Community's like not... It's not... It's nowhere near any of the like top 100 shows of all time on anyone's list. But it has one of the biggest cult followings. It does. critically is lauded for like it's, you know... I don't get it. No? You don't like it? I like the first couple seasons... And then, like, we're, so we're in the last season right now, and okay. it's just god-awful, because there's no Chevy Chase, there's no Donald Glover. Right. And I was like, dude, I haven't laughed since Troy left the show. Like, yeah. literally, I haven't laughed once. It was rough. I mean, he had to go, like, make money and stuff. Well, he was becoming, he wanted to do his hip-hop albums. career, yeah. <laughs> he had to go make incredible music. And then make, but... and make ATL, which is, like, one of my favorite TV yeah. shows in the last five years. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched that? I have not. But I, all, all I've heard is that it's it's you know, so incredible. good, so funny and like poignant and like like it's genius. Hmm. Really good TV. Yeah, as much as I love, um, you know, Donald Glover, I really should, I really should watch it. Yeah, you would love it. Um, yeah, no, Community it definitely went downhill, and I I, I I like that the you know the the gas leak season as they call it. Right. They like they start referencing. That was the season that like the writers fired Dan Harmon, and then they had like a whole they had like a whole room full of writers trying to write stories, and they didn't make sense. They Shit were just went all over the place. Yeah, yeah. They had a lot of like weird like spinoff like cartoons and like claymation episodes and stuff like that. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed for the movie. Cause yeah, they kept going on about six seasons and a movie, so I, I I would hope that there's a movie out there. That's that an kind old of show. Wraps it all up. Yeah, it is. I mean, that show was from like 12 years ago when it first started. It was like. 2009, I think, the first yeah. season. And I literally just started watching it like a year ago. Chris was like, you've never watched Community? I was like, no. I was like, I just never it right. escaped my radar for some reason. But I know it has a huge cult following. Mm-hmm. And spawned like all these memes and gifs and stuff, so I don't know. It's definitely worth watching the whole thing all the way through and then, you know, you may never watch it again, but... So we're listening to Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers. Okay. Which I discovered by accident. And they were what another, like, they, were, they were what spun thing. me into like the Minutemen that we heard first. Okay. But I heard this song and I was like, I heard it and I just wanted to play it over and over again the first time I heard it. It was just Roadrunner, Road. It's just like such a classic old like 
rock sound to it, but uh-huh. it was like this was, you know, all in the '80s. And then as I was listening to the album, like really well done. Has like an Iggy Pop vibe to it, like Lou Reed type stuff. Yeah, I like this kind of like laid bl- laid back, but it's still kind of driving forward. Yeah. It's really cool. It's cool stuff. Who's the band? The Modern Lovers. The Modern Lovers. Basically, okay. it's this one guy named Jonathan. I forget his last name. It escapes me now. But he was basically the the brainchild. He was the whole band. And this album, actually, he he recorded it and never like released it. And then like he was touring as the Modern Lovers for years, and they had this huge following. And then he released the album, and it was like three years later after he recorded it. And it was like I think in the late seventies. Damn. This was recorded. That's wild. I'm like, who does that? Yeah, I, he's um, definitely, definitely uh, marches to his own beat. But I just love the sound. I make a song and I have to like put it out there immediately. I'm like, I did a thing. It's literally just self-titled, the Modern Lovers. Okay. And it's it's a really good listen the whole way through. Um, but anyway, so we should probably segue into like more '90s stuff before we get off <laughs> off kilter. Who were we talking about today? We were talking about like talking about helmet and rage stuff that we didn't cover last time. Stuff that we didn't get to touch base on, which was it was awesome that you brought up. Yeah, that you brought up Helmet because that was definitely one of the bands that um, I drove uh, I drove around quite a bit in my Honda Accord. Fucking and, uh, meantime, yeah, mm. before before Jimmy's Chicken Shack and all that stuff at Lollapalooza, when I discovered all those bands, I was rocking 1992. Like in meantime. Mm. Still one of my favorite albums to lift weights to. Like, yeah, no, all the way through. Ten tracks, man, and, and everything. Oh, is no fat, no fat. This was like my first experience with some really cool old. Alternate rhythms for time signatures, you know, like they didn't do a lot of time change stuff, but they did a lot of just the, this kind of rhythm, just yeah. kind of like really chunky rhythm. Yeah, you know, a lot of stuff that like four, five, six years later would become pretty common with like corn and yeah, you know, bands like that. This really just like one note, man, just, just chunking, driving. Um. And it's funny, every live concert I feel like I ever saw of Helmet, they'd always wind up playing country songs in the middle of it. 
and they'd be like, yeah, we, you know, we, we love the music that we make, but we also really love country, and so we're going to play some country songs for you. And it's such a, like, it's such a mood change in the middle of, of their show. I think they're still together. They put out an album, like, oh, five shit. years ago. That's awesome. Yeah, the last one I got, I think, was, um... Uh, I can see the cover in my head, but I don't remember what it was called. It's, uh... Well, this one, Aftertaste. That was the last one I bought. Betty, 97. Betty Betty's is my awesome. favorite. Dude, I named, shit, dude, I named my first acoustic guitar after that album. So, Betty's so good. Um, but yeah, fucking Milk Toast and Rolo and Tick. Ugh. It actually has a... It's a way better produced album. Yes. It sounds way better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kind of kept the sound intact and then really kind of... It's so know, much cleaner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still that dirty, you know what I mean? Like still that sound, but just cleaned up. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's almost it's almost the same way that like maximizer kind of blows the whole sound up really right. big. That's what it felt like with this album. I just I just sold the other one. <laughs> nice. I I love it, dude. I really I haven't used it for recording yet, but I still use it for listening. Yeah, the guy who sold it was a guitarist. He was like, "Oh, dude, it's a great toy." Ugh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he just like like and this bass sound like oh, this yeah. bass sound was so not you know, it wasn't going for the fuzzy low end, like they were going right. for that this is a percussive instrument now, you know. Has a lot of tool sound to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like David Sardi actually produced one of Helmet's albums. Because it was definitely in his as the bark market guy again. But um I don't remember which one. <clears throat> well, Unsung yeah. was the was one of the first songs that I ever heard. So I, when I was in high school, I was like briefly a singer for, for a, a horrible band. What? And like, yeah, like my freshman year, like it was it wasn't I wasn't even like in the band really. It was like we were <laughs> just singing out. We were setting up for our freshman sophomore dance and. This, these guys who I all knew, they were all like, you know, kind of like the freaky, like, you know, nerdy dudes, but like I knew from my classes, but I wasn't really friends with, but I didn't, did not like. And they just like came in, they were like, they were like, yeah, we're playing, they let us, they're gonna let us play four or five songs at the dance tonight. And I was like, no shit. And uh, they were playing um, Unsung, and another song was uh, Killing in the Name of by Rage. Yes. Nice. And the another one was uh, "Plush" by Stone Temple Pilots. And you're like, I know all of them. And they were well, I didn't really know the other two because that was oh, still okay. really too that was too hard for me. Like I had just gotten into that was my introduction to Rage, probably. Oh, nice. And then they introduced me to the Helmet, and but this was one of the songs that they did was on song, and uh, I ended up hopping. They were like, I was like, let, I was like, let me try to sing because the one kid wanted to quit. The lead singer, he was like, I don't really don't want to do it anymore. And so they were like, well, why don't you do a song with us tonight and see how it goes? And so, like, I went over to their house and practiced. And I didn't tell any of my friends. Like, I went over to their house for a couple days after school and practiced. This is fucking awesome. And practiced plush, just one song. And because I was able to nail it, they were like, just sing the song with us tonight. We'll call you up after we do the other. We'll save it for the last song. And I was like, all right, cool. And so, like, I went. And this is my freshman dance, I think. I was 14. And so it was freshmen and sophomores. Okay. And I brought, like, one of my, you know, a friend who I was friends with from grade school. 
and I didn't tell anybody. And like, so all of a sudden they're like, Lafferty, where the fuck are you? And like, and I was like all the way in the back of the gym, like, you know, bullshitting with people and I forgot. And then I was like, all right. And so like I ran and everybody was like, what are you doing? Where are you going? They were like, why are they calling your name? And like, I get up there and all of a sudden plush starts and I fucking crushed it. Like I completely crushed it. And I was a legend for like four years, like after that, because people were like, remember that time when you came up and you fucking sang plush, like you've been doing it your whole life. Cause I, I had a decent voice That's and they were, awesome. and they were like, you know, and that was like my claim to fame for four years. So Did you one time as a front man, every party that they were like, get up and sing plush. <laughs> and you were like, now I understand why they hate fucking hate playing the singles. Right. Cause that's all everybody wants. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a funny story. Well, the the it was the we, we talked about it. I think probably last time the Crow soundtrack is where I heard a lot of you know the bands for the first time. Yeah, like because um, Milk Toast was on the Crow soundtrack, and so was Darkness by Rage. It wasn't on their first album, but that's the reason why I bought. Uh, that's the reason why I bought Meantime and the self-titled Rage album was because it was on the Crow soundtrack, and I was like, "Yeah, these fucking bands, dude." Are dope. That Everybody Rage album, them. that Rage album, changed my fucking life, dude. It was it was amazing because it was the hip hop that I listened to when I was in middle school was definitely more hip hop. You know, like my sure. sister was in dance, so I was listening to fucking I was listening to Millie Vanilli and MC Hammer and like. You know, Sir Mix a lot, and the the guys, yeah. you know, yeah, soft stuff. But when I heard Rage for the first time, and it was like fucking this beautiful blend. All I remember is looking in the album and seeing the the thing that says all sounds on this record were made by instrument, or there is no sampling on this record, right, or something right. like that. And I remember being like, that's like a fucking weird thing to print. Right. But then I listened to the ten songs, and right. I'm like, oh shit, and you heard Tom Morello for the first time oh. doing the squeals. Yeah, what the fuck is that? And the fucking that? alarm sounds. That yeah. yeah, what is this? Who is this that guy? they do in hip-hop. Oh, and then with him just fucking rapping over it. Oh. He had such a different delivery, like, just his voice, and, like, yeah. he was so pissed, and you could hear it in every, every <laughs> fucking lyric. Like, yeah. yeah, well, it's the first time that I ever heard anybody take their... Such a political album. Yeah, take yeah. their position uh, as, a, as an artist, and, you know, I don't want to say push their agenda, but, like, yo, fucking wake up. Yeah. This is what's happening. Yeah. And... I remember being like, I don't know anything that he's talking about at all because I had no fucking clue what was as, going as on. As a in young politics. white suburban suburban kid, yeah. yeah, you're like, what? Exactly. And then when years later, when you get older, and you're like, oh shit, I'm like, these guys were on yeah. the fucking ball. Fucking Zach was putting me down with some shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but this, I mean, this album literally from start to fucking finish does not let up. It's like, another, it's another ten track album where there's yeah. just. There's no need for any filler songs. There's no, no. interludes. And there's a single song that isn't a fucking banger. No. Um, I mean, literally every every song yeah. is a banger. Now, I, I don't think Evil Empire, their second record, I don't think it's a bad album. I like that album. I do too. But, like, I remember genuinely being disappointed when it came out. Because this was because so of good. the impact that this yeah, did. Yeah, I mean, you'll had. never. This was like lightning in a bottle, this yeah. album. I remember being like, this isn't what I wanted. I wanted just, ten more just the other al- tracks. Yeah. And the album cover itself was like so perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Like, it was the Buddhist monk that set himself on fire, like the famous picture from yep. Time Magazine. Yep. And that was the cover of the album. Like, Thick Quang Duck. Yeah. <laughs> Thick Quang Duck was his name. And it's such an iconic, just image to put yeah. as your album cover yeah 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 no it's it's totally this this i would i would have to say that rage took me into a much higher like level of consciousness when it came to listening to music and listening to the news and listening to media yeah. and being like oh shit my parents are wrong like that was <laughs> i had never heard anything that was that was so angry yeah but yet so catchy and so yeah, yeah. like heavy at the same time, but it had a hip hop feel to it. I was like, dude, what? It had yeah. its own sound. No like growling. Like he's got a couple screams in there right. where he does like, you know, some guttural shit. Right. But it wasn't like the whole time. Yeah, no, no, no. Which I listened to that too. He has but. just such a cool delivery and his voice, his cadence yeah. is just so perfect for this band. Like you just can't, like they just came together like perfectly. Tom Morello is such a genius. Yeah, I never and, and I had been so into bands at this time that were just power chords, man. Power chords, yeah. big chords, lots of distortion. Tom Morello, most of the time through his whole album, man, he plays one note. Like yeah. all his riffs are actual are, are riffs. They're not chords. He's just playing one note here and there, and like the vet, like to me, the guitar didn't sound full. If you weren't playing some power chords, you know, yeah. it wasn't rock. And he was like, no, watch this. I'm just going to play this riff over and over. It's just so different. Yeah. Yeah, they were really tight four-piece, man. And when they were super young in their prime, and he was like, dude, he looked like somebody fucking put him on a pogo stick half the oh, time he when nuts. he was playing live. He, he was, was drenched. The dude was just drenched. <laughs> From one side yeah. of the stage to so the So much energy, like... Mm-mm. Yeah, but evil like Evil Empire, I did come to really like it because it was just different. It was no, just, I love you know, Evil Empire. They they changed their sound up, and and it just it just took me a couple months of really listening to it to like it. Um, Battle of Los no, Angeles, Los but, Angeles is really good too. Battle for Los Angeles is probably like it's hard to top their debut album for me, but I think Battle for LA is one of the best oh, albums. So good, like. Cause it's sleep now in the fire. Calm like a bomb. Calm like a bomb. Like that's the one I probably I probably played that album the most out of all of them. Even though this is like iconic and, oh, yeah. and nostalgic, I think Battle for LA is the one that I have played the most. Because it's Testify. another one. That's yeah, it's another one that starts to finish. Voice of the Voiceless. Like where it that sounds album like is like they added on the guitar. Sp- they added speed on that album. So, like, this album is, like, it has speed, but it's more of a sludging. Yeah, this has a sludging. Whereas Battle for L.A. was, like, had some speed to it. Yeah. Oh, I got fucking chills just thinking about the first time I heard Calm Like a Bomb. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's so good. What was great, too, was, you know, I know they had, like, a pretty rocky time together as a band, but whenever Zach would... Talk, talk about an opening to an album. Yeah. They just punch you in the face from the very beginning. Like. 
it just begs to be played really, really loud. Yeah, this is, I mean, they couldn't have had a better band name and sound. Oh, yeah. And message. The, the marketing, just everything. And it was just, everything about it was was yeah. spot on. Oh. Yeah, I, it's one of those bands that I don't ever get sick of hearing at all. Yeah. At any time of day, it doesn't matter. I can listen to Rage. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, Tom Morello did some pretty incredible things for guitarists. Just, just for the guitar as an instrument, like the way that he plays it, the way that he creates the sounds that they get, you know, he's he's pretty humble about it in general. But like, he's just a master of that instrument to the yeah. point where, you know, he's not he's not shredding fucking extreme solos like Nuno Betancourt or anything like that. But he's just like, I'm gonna learn how to use this machine. From top to bottom, inside and out. Every which way that I can make sound with it, I'm going to make sound with it. Because watching footage of him doing, uh, is it Bullet in the Head or Killing in the Name, where he actually pulls the plug out of the guitar and starts tapping it on the strings to do the... He's like a mad scientist. And slams it back into the guitar so that he can play the chorus. And you're just like... Most people would do like overdubs, and you'd have two other guitarists in the touring band with you. No, No, man, he's just like, I got it. Yeah, me and my eight hundred pedals, we're good. Oh, dude, we're good. He's nuts. This is the native song born of Zapata's God. And you can't sleep on the bassist. Nope. Nope. Holy shit! Just the whole band so tight. Yeah, taking that just like that 808 hip hop sound and transforming it into uh, a metal band. Yeah. Well, they they crossed genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that weren't even into like hip hop were like, "What the fuck is this?" Like guys <laughs> that were listening to heavy metal were like, "Yo, this is ridiculous." Yeah. And then guys that were only listening to hip hop were like. Yeah, oh, guitars shit. are cool. Yeah, guitars are awesome. <laughs> and on the other side of that aisle, they're like public enemy. You say I will give it a try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope they open the door for a lot of people. Yeah, this fucking just that that sound. I was like, how does he make that? How is he doing? What is he doing? Yeah, for a while I used to just go on YouTube and I would just search for them playing live songs. Tom Morello playing Sleep Now in the Fire. Tom Morello playing Yeah. Voice of the Voiceless. Yeah. Harvard educated. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Political super, degree writer. Super or intelligent guy. Super yep. humble. Super humble, super intelligent, and um, it's a shame that they couldn't like keep it together and yeah, like yeah. stay as a band for like it was just like I mean, what they put out four or five albums. And that yeah, was I it. think they put out they put out those three, and then they released Renegades, which right. was a cover album. Right. But, I mean, they still had to go into the studio and record everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that was it, right? Pistol grip pump. Pistol grip pump. 
I love this when it comes in. Yo. Oh! Like, what is that noise? Oh, that song's so fucking tight. Yeah, this if I didn't if I didn't own an album that they covered a song from on Renegades, I bought it. Right. So if I didn't own, you know, like the Cypress Hill. Oh, dude, they they loved like Cypress. I mean, because it was all the L.A. thing. So yeah. Cypress Hill was like a big part of that. How yeah. I could just kill a man is on seeing, here. Seeing them play it live with with Be Real and Send Dog is pretty awesome. Yeah. How I could just kill um, a man. Microphone fiend. Which is Microphone is a fucking is Rakim it? song. Rakim, okay. one of my favorite Rakim songs of all time. Before I became a teen. Like EPMD and. Uh. There's even what? There's Bruce Springsteen, right? Ghost of Tom Jones. Yep, yep. Springsteen song. Well, they were uh, when he was doing the. Um, Morello did that other band, uh, The Watchmen, or the. Mm-hmm. What were they called? Oh, no. He did another. He did like a side band that was like, I think it was acoustic. And oh. a lot of it was like based oh, on. He was doing stuff. <laughs> I didn't know. He had a, a, All re- I know he had a relationship he, with, with Springsteen. Yeah, he played with him for yeah. a while, which is awesome. I, I, don't, I don't remember the specifics, but I know that there was a big Springsteen connection with them. Yeah, this um, this was one of the first ten albums that I bought with my Columbia house, cause I had I had a bunch of cassettes. You know, I was rocking Nevermind, and I was rocking Facelift from Alice in Chains on cassette, and uh, some Metallica and some Megadeth and things like that, um, and Millie Vanilli. But that was you know that was earlier in the eighties. But when when uh, I got my first ever Columbia House, you know, 12 CDs for a penny or whatever it was. Yes. The first Rage Rage album, you know, I got I got the three Nirvana CDs. I got Nevermind and Utero and Incesticide. I got two Nine Inch Nails records. I got Broken and Downward Spiral and um, Helmet. So it's like this This was like part of my, my, my actual CD, original CD collection. Mm. And I still have, I still have my original Rage album and i think my i think my evil empire still has a the wall sticker on it from the the wall that went out of business the wall their lifetime guarantee sticker stuck to half oh. of my albums um but yeah i think i think there's certainly not been a band that did this as well as they did. There's been there have been plenty of bands like this is a band called Corporate Avenger that's, you know, uh, way more kind of grungy techno like grungy industrial than Rage. Um, you know, it's, but bands like Linkin Park I think took a lot of and, and even Incubus to a certain extent. Less hard, but Ugh. you know, they worked a lot of hip hop into their rock and stuff. <laughs> but nobody nobody did this with the the fervor and the the absolute energy that Rage Against the Machine did. No. So you brought up a 
you brought up an interesting album because it was like, mm, this was another one of those albums from that era where I was like, I was really scared. Like when the first time I heard this, I was like, this is fucking yeah. terrifying shit. Nice. Because I'd never really listened to like industrial music. Yeah. And like, just this was so different and dark and just really, I, we, I think we talked about it before. Yeah, this is one of the albums that, that created the whole Mom Fears My Music right, right, right. entity for me. Right. This and Marilyn Manson yes. was what my mother was afraid of. Yes. And Helmet and stuff like that a little bit. Heavier yes. stuff. Yelling. Marilyn Manson's first album is a fucking killer. It, it is. It is. It's, it's such a so good, good I love that album. It's so good. I'm glad you say that. Poor Children of American Family, yeah. Yep. Fucking cake and sodomy. Oh and my god, I love that box. song. Yeah. Lunchbox is that like, is such a badass song, uh, and they came from these guys. I mean, like, without Trent Reznor, there was no Marilyn Manson. No, so no, no, and without, also, without Trent Reznor, there's a lot of no. There's yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of nothing. Yeah, or there's there's nothing a lot. Filter was another band that came from the Nine Inch Nails world too, because yeah, Filter was. Um, they do Hey Man, Nice Shot. Yep. Them? Yeah, yep. I love hey that Man, Nice song. Shot. Dose is the second track on that album. Dose is the song they I've never used... listened to that album. I just know short, that song. Short Bus, man. It's another 10 song. Actually, it's 11 tracks. Sorry. 11 track yeah? album. Short Bus is primo. Wow. Dose is the second track on that album. Is what they used to open their concerts with. And it is like, it's a very anti-religion song. Right. Um, but it was it's just like in your face. And Richard Patrick was one of, and, and I think the guitarist in Filter were members of Nine Inch Nails live. So they were like part of Trent Reznor's live band when they right, would go right. play. And I remember Filter, the first time we heard Filter was, for me anyway, Hey Man, Nice Shot was on the Demon Knight soundtrack. The Tales from the Crypt yes. Demon Knight soundtrack. Really good soundtrack. And they came to Philly... Thank God I had an older friend. I was a... Wasn't that in the Basketball Diaries soundtrack, too? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. I was a freshman, and I had a friend who was a junior who was way into music. He was like, Bob. shout out to Bob Brown. This guy that like got me into Stabbing Westward and Caius and a whole bunch of bands that I you know really, really loved at the time. Caius I still love, of course, but um, they... Uh, the Filter wound up coming to Philly... And he didn't have a car, and I had my license. Okay, it definitely wasn't freshman year then. It must have been the end of sophomore year, because I had my license, and I drove us to Philly to see Filter and Die Cheerleader open for them. Where at? At the Electric Factory. Nice. Yeah. So super tiny. No, no, I'm sorry. It was the TLA. It was the theater. Even better. Theater Living Arts. Dude. Even better. Super tiny. It's like 110 yeah. people you could get in that room. Yep. Die Cheerleader, this riot girl band, opened for them, and they were awesome. Filter was great, and actually before the show, we went to like Tower Records, and we were walking around looking at stuff, and they had a listening station, and Frog Stomp was there, mm. Silverchair's first album. That album. And that's the first night that I heard Israel's Son for oh, the first time. Man, bought, that's a killer song. I bought Silverchair, and I bought uh, Fixed, I think, from Nine Inch Nails, the remix of, of the Broken album. Right. Fixed was like an EP of remixes. So I bought like three or four CDs before I even went to the concert. And then got to see Filter live with Die Cheerleader. It was fucking awesome. Sweet. So they open with this song, Dose, that you'll have to hear later. And it's like, it starts with that same kind of like really high whining guitar. And it starts with like, dun, 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 dun. And they had strobe lights. 
So they had, you know, the lights are coming up, there's fog, they're coming on stage, you know, drums start slow, and then they come in heavy with strobe lights, and then all the lights went out as this whining guitar and shit starts, and they just had two police sirens going around in the smoke for this song. And I'm like, fucking lit. And I'm just like, this is the greatest yeah. fucking experience of my life. Hell yeah. It was so, and this was after, like, you know, four hot angry chicks put on a hell of a show playing, you know, Riot Girl music. Oh man. Don't sleep on Riot Girl music. Man. No, never. Never. I still want I still I should get some Die Cheerleader albums because I never like bought any of their stuff or listened to them, but I swear I talk about that opening act so much. I love so a good, much. I love a good girl band. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, I went off on a tangent when you put Downward Spiral on because it just makes me think about all this other stuff. Oh, it brings up a lot of stuff, yeah. But but Downward Spiral, I think, is... Drums another, on this song are ridiculous. Yeah, another one of the albums that just impressed me beyond belief with the production, especially oh. since it was just him. He did everything. It's like all his instrumentation, all his playing, all his programming. He literally just boarded himself up in a haunted house and just did smack for months. <laughs> Until he almost killed himself and right. then wrote this album. Like, dude was a massive heroin addict. Yeah. And you could tell. It was like, mm-hmm. you saw all this music and, like, the videos for this shit. And I was oh, like, yeah. that guy's on a lot of drugs. March of the Pigs. Yeah. I love March that the, song. Well, March of the Pigs is still one of the most, like... Just the way... Oh. Ugh. I remember hearing this for the first time just being like, oh, my God. Where has this been my whole life? <laughs> It's just so. Man, oh man. Oh, it's just another song that just begs to be played loud. Nine Inch Nails on tubes. I wanna watch it come down. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, this um, I I would have to say that for me as a as a song writer, I love that it had the mixture of really heavy hard shit and then electronica, which I had never really heard like the way he meshes. I mean, which is industrial. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. it was such a new thing to me like I'd never heard like, was like sure. what is this industrial stuff people are talking mm. about and it was like well yeah. Good. but he'd been doing it for a long it's not like this was new like right pretty no, hate no, no, machine no. and and broken and all that like he yeah. already had a bunch of albums I remember hearing pretty hate machine only after I heard yeah yeah I, this was what turned me on to that whole genre and, and nine inch nails in general but even that like even that first record it's it sounds like it sounds like a, it's like a lot of programmed drums right. and keyboards, right. and then like you know he throws in some guitars and singing right. over top of it. This was like, I feel like he was making sounds with shit that right. shouldn't make sound. Like right. he was literally turning machines on and stuff, yeah, and insane. then just looping the that and making. There's a so rhythm many out creepy sounds on this album. Yeah, it's just a very creepy album. Like yeah, if they made an really album is. for like. To be the soundtrack for fucking Halloween, like this would be that album because it's just terrifying. Yeah, well, and it was it was kind of fitting too that he did he kind of did the Natural Born Killer soundtrack. Oh yeah, over yeah. overview music supervision for that soundtrack because you know it has that sort of otherworldly. Doesn't it make you? Mm. 
Yeah, just the, the production value on this album is so ahead of its time. Yeah, I'm glad that he he did what he did when he did it because it's, you know, there were bands like Gravity Kills. I got to see Gravity Kills live. Oh, man. I haven't heard that. Yeah, they were another, like, industrial. Blast from the past. <laughs> I got to see them live at Lollapalooza or uh, HF Festival, I think. Actually, yeah, it was HF Festival. With no doubt. Oh, yes! So, yeah, this is like while the smoke and the lights are coming up. And then when the drums hit was the strobe. And then it all just fucking drops. Oh, this is nice. This, this guitar descending riff is so good. So 90s. Yeah, it is. Oh. Drop D, baby. Oh. Just sludge. Singing through a megaphone like yep. fucking Wyland. <laughs> it sounds a lot like Wyland, this this part particularly. Yeah, 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 it does. He has a good voice. Mm-hmm. This guy. Yeah, we already talked about Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, <laughs> we did. That was last episode. But still remains he's got a good whale yeah save someone else <laughs> that's that's the whole chorus of the song he just screams how come save nobody, someone else how come nobody fucking rocks like this anymore I don't know. Like, what happened? Like, I don't know. Where did all the fucking ball sacks go in, in like, <laughs> yeah. in, in American music? It's Certainly like... not to um, Five Seconds of Summer and Imagine Dragons, because that's what my kids listen to, and I'm like, it's great. It's well-written music. It's well-produced. Right. It's fine, it's but it pretty. does not right. rock. It does not rock. Um, Melissa got me purple, 180-gram German uh, vinyl. I-, I think it's a remaster, which is fine, but like the quality is still fan. I can't even be jealous because I'm just happy for you that you got that <laughs> album. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's so good because it's perfectly split. You know, six songs per side. Yeah. So it ends, twelve gracious melodies. It ends with still remains the first side of the of the album does, and it's like, yes. or no, I'm sorry, it ends with um, pretty penny, um, which is song. almost which is even love better. That song. Still remains into into pretty. His penny. voice is so perfect on that song. It is, it is, and like so much of the stuff that they recorded on that album is killer. So like I'm, it, she and I don't even think she knew. It was just because I was talking about it after we talked about it. She hadn't even listened to that episode it's, yet. It's it's their when best we, album when we I, were looking for the yeah. vinyl on our phones. Yeah. But yeah, it's so. I love Core. I, I love Core to death. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Purple is their best album. I mean, it's not even like I don't even think it's really a contest in terms of no how many good songs are on it and how well produced that how album. Well, how good it sounds. Hear, you can hear everything. Yeah, nothing yeah. is drowned out. Yeah. The bass, the guitars, the like. Yeah. I mean, I I like hearing. You know, as a mixer, there are definitely times where like I cut breaths out of my own stuff because yeah. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But then when I'm listening to somebody else's music, like, I want to hear their intake of breath. Or when they, like, purse their lips. Yeah, sure, like yeah. I mean, it gives, like, it gives and a human element to the it's music. all over that record, right. and it's so good. 
She also got me a second subwoofer. So now I have a subwoof. You should've just come here, dude. I have subwoofers out my ass that I'm just looking to get rid of. I would've just given you one. Oh, shit. Well, don't tell her that. We'll cut that part out. Um, but now I have, so now I have one in the studio, so my clipshes are in the studio, and now I got the sub, and I was down there just listening to stuff, trying to balance it out. Yeah. Oh, God, Fugazi! What's better than one sub? Two subs. I didn't get into these guys until later on in life, and I, and I regret it. Oh, it's so good. This song is classic. Oh, but I can I know my favorite album of theirs is like Such a great song. Yeah. My favorite I got a short little story about this song. This is this is Waiting Room by yep. Fugazi. Yep. It's probably their most popular song. Oh, absolutely. But um we went to go see Jimmy's Chicken Shack, all right, me and my buddy, uh, Nick Greer, and a couple of us, you know, we're, we were like in our 20s, okay, so high school is behind us. We were all Jimmy's Chicken Shack fans in high school, and we all knew that he had like slowly been going downhill ever since, so we go to see Jimmy's Chicken Shack, and it's like, you know, 20 years later, and they were putting out a new album, it was like their fifth album or something, the last three had just done fucking terribly, but this, they were putting out a new album, and he's like... So you're gonna play a Fugazi song, and my friend Nick goes, Is it waiting room? <laughs> he just like, screams it at the top of his lungs, and they start playing the song. He's like, Yeah, it's waiting room. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Obvious. Yeah, and he's like, You don't you don't like Fugazi. Oh god. I miss Nick Greer sometimes, man. He was great. He's so many times I thought he was gonna get his ass kicked because he would just open up we went to go see star wars premiere together when a, the new the new episode one came oh, out god and there was a guy like and there's like a guy in line who's like check it out i made my own lightsaber and nick just goes that means you're a jedi now and i'm like dude will you stop fucking harassing people but he did that shit all the time and then he'd be like oh i think i almost got my ass kicked by that guy and his usually guys like that they stop that shit when they fuck with that one wrong guy. Sure, and yeah. they get their jaw relocated. Yeah, yeah. Well, so my my high school band was called uh, Square Orange Circle. That's what we called ourselves nice. in high school. We were very Nirvana, Mud Honey, and Fugazi inspired. Mm. And my 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 buddy, two of us were went to school together, and then he actually had three friends from uh, outside Philly where he used to live. So the two of us used to drive up to Essington every, like, other weekend to do band practice. We were only together for, like, a year. We played one show. It was the senior talent show at the school. It was, like, the only show we played together. But, man, it was awesome. We covered seven words. We played a bunch of originals. And Fugazi's album, Red Medicine, is the one that my buddy Rob put me down with. Rob Fagan put me down with. Red Medicine. And it is... Still to this, I need to get that on vinyl because it is still to this day an album that I can listen to beginning to end. And it was not, it was not really like I was into Nirvana, but like as soon as it started to get into like Sonic Youth and like the really kind of noisy stuff, 
I started to tune out a little bit. So Sonic this is hard to listen to. It is. It is. I mean, it is so avant-garde, artsy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And if you enjoy it, that's for, great. But what, it was hard for me. Nation was was a good album. Yeah, yeah. I like Washing Machine. Washing Machine, I can still listen to, but that's probably a lot of nostalgia. Right. Right. Um, and Goo. Goo was the first one I heard. But um, bits and pieces. I just can't sit there and listen to the whole album. But this record just is so tightly produced. Surprisingly. For the uh, 90s. Yeah. Here it comes. Oh. Yeah, I didn't get into these guys until I got older. Yeah. And, like, started really listening to angry music in my early 20s. And I was like, how did I fucking miss the boat? Because yeah. I remember I remember guys, like, in that band that I talked about earlier, they had... Bugazi patches on their fucking right on their they, they still on their my, book bags. My favorite band T-shirt of all time says, "This is not a Fugazi shirt." Yes, and Fugazi. Oh, they all have big, that T-shirt. Real big letter. Yeah, you still see my it favorite all the time. band shirt of all time. And I'm like, who's this fucking Fugazi band? All these guys <laughs> are liking, and yeah. I just like it annoyed me, so I didn't get into them because I was just that's after how I was. Miles, miles, but now I love their shit, especially in the gym. I love their shit to yeah. work out to. It just rocks, man. Yeah. Yeah, This something about this album is like the peak for me for their the blend of their sound and good production. Because that's probably what it was, was I was just an elitist about like wanting to hear it. You know, I, I liked what was messy and grungy about Nirvana, but I also liked that it was rooted in pop music you know like he he really was a pop music guy even though what he was writing was really sort of kind of stepped around these guys from dc or baltimore i don't know that sounds right but i i don't know Um, i want to say they're from dc or baltimore i just can't remember which one and so on this record there's a there's an instrumental called combination lock that has like a really dope drum beat to it and then the song i think the one that's after that is um dude this is really good yeah this I love this album and there's a birthday now, birthday pony is a song now, on it. Now I have to like really get into dive into Fugazi more because I just know like they're you know a lot of their like main stuff. Yeah, like 13 songs and that kind of shit. But I never yeah, really yeah. got into like like this album. I, it's all new to me. Yeah, Red Red Medicine is the album that I swear by. Um, birthday pony's great. Oh, Forensic Scene. Forensic Scene is the album that will always remind me of Square Orange Circle. Because it's just like, it's one of those songs that we were like, this is what we want to sound like. It's got this really cool breakdown in the middle that's just like, it It kind of immortalized clean guitar. You know, they have this really cool thing where they're, you know, they're they're playing grunge music in a way, but it's there's clean tones to it. And it's like, this is a bad example. But, <laughs> but uh, Forensic Scene is the one that's like... My number one jam. Birthday pony. I like Fugazi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I should listen to more of their stuff because this is the album that I've listened to the most. I'm definitely going to dive into it this week. Yeah. yeah. I think you'll really like it. You'll yeah. appreciate so much of this album. So I Fell th- Destroyed is a good song. I'm oh. totally going to dive into it. I, oh. feel like, I feel like this is a natural <laughs> way to segue into like one of my other favorite 90s bands who I did not like. In the 90s. Okay. And I had a roommate, Darren, if you're out there. He was the first person that played them for me. And he used to, like, literally play 
um, I don't know if it was White Pony or not White Pony, but the. I was like, you saying uh, you hated the Deftones? I did not like them. Um, he would play this one song where he just like screams for like 30 seconds at the end of it. I forget which one. It's one of my favorite Deftones songs. I can never remember the name of it. <laughs> And it's just Chico going off, and my oh, buddy, is that knife party? I think it, I think it is knife party. Yeah, yeah where he's just like yeah, ah! yeah, at the very end, yeah. yeah. And oh. my buddy would play that at like four in the morning, and like on his drum kit, and like fall asleep drunk, like screaming that song. Wow. Uh, and I'd be like, dude, I'd I like, can see how that would be a lot. That would turn me off I'm, a lot. I'm of like, shit. I'm like, I, I don't know. And at the time, I was so into the just like. <laughs> Laid back like stoner music, you know what I mean? Like right. I wasn't into. Was this like Dave Matthews, the height of like Dave Matthews time? Um, uh, yeah, around there. Because I yeah. can see how Knife Party is not yeah. how you get down. No, I'm definitely. Yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely guilty of Dave Matthews. But um, <sighs> Darren introduced me to a lot of good music, but I didn't realize the genius of it until years later when I got sober and I started liking angry music right, because right. I was just. It was just something I just never got into. And then, like, it just fit where I was at that sure. time. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I absolutely threw myself into the Deftones. Like, their entire... I fell in love oh, with it. Man. Like, on a whole other level. It was like meeting, like, you know what I mean? It was like, I, how, where's this been my whole fucking life? You yep. know what I mean? Like, it's so... And so, the, one of the first album that I bought and listened to just nonstop was Around the Fur mm. from 97. Mm. And, like, literally, like, I mean, this whole album... Oh. How good does that sound? So great. And the bass is coming in. Oh yeah. Oh. This is when so when I first played the Deftones for Melissa, she was like, his voice makes me equal parts scared and turned on. And I was like, yeah, yep, yep, that's Chico. You nailed yeah. it. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. The way he like, is... the way he like whispers into it and then oh, he yeah. screams. You know yep. what I mean? He's like, it's like, it's that feeling of being on edge, like you could snap at any minute. Oh yeah. But still like maintaining some kind of melody, and his melodies and shit are not really typical. Like he's all over the place. He's very different. And his lyrics are all like there's all of these crazy like Super literary dark, inspirations yeah. and stuff into yeah. it. I've never heard anybody talk about a Hesperian horse when they're like yeah, they're it's new metal. What like, do you do? This is new metal. What are you doing having literary references? <laughs> you guys like fucking spike your hair and like right. <laughs> like frosted tips? Like what the fuck? Um this was actually it's awesome because this was another band that my buddy Bob Brown, the guy who took me to see Filter, got me into a bunch of bands. Uh, this was another one that he was like, "You like corn, and you've never heard the Deftones." Yeah. and I was like, "Dude, see, I'm the other way. I the don't fur- like corn. I, I like the Deftones. Right. I don't like corn. I, corn for some reason. We don't have to get into it, but corn, like that first album, man. Yeah, spoke it's good. To it's me. good. I'm. It was all huge. day. I dream about sex. Yeah, no, no, the, the very self-titled one. The self-titled, the very first one. right, right. Um, with blind. No, and, I'm like, not saying that I, they don't. They have songs that I do enjoy. Yeah, yeah. But I just couldn't like they were a cult, you know what I mean? Like, people were yeah, like, "It's that's corn, true. dude!" Like, yeah. like yep. them and like Slipknot, like <laughs> fucking weirdos. Like, <laughs> I fucking love Slipknot too, but that's a different. No, story. they're dude, they're badass, no, no doubt. Um, but yeah, the, so the Deftones was because you know 
we would talk about the bands that we liked, and you know, he's like, he's like, how do you listen to Corn? You don't know the Deftones. He's like, they're from like the same area. They play all their shows together. Right. And he gave me Adrenaline, which is their first record. Yes. And yes. I don't even think Around the Fur was out yet. Yeah. Because this was way early. This was like '95. He gave me Adrenaline. Yeah, that's their first album. And it was, dude, it was mind blowing for me. Well, that album is like. Because, like, Seven Words and Engine yeah. Number Nine. Engine Number and Nine. Fucking yeah. Bored. Yeah. And Minus Blindfold. Root. That whole. Root. Dude, dude, that whole album yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Their first, like, four or five albums are just like. Yeah. Well, so, and th- they're one of the bands that I. I was I, I I was always worried because most of my favorite bands, their second album or the album after the one that I heard was not good. You know, I didn't yeah. like Korn's second album a lot. I didn't like, you know, Marilyn Manson's second. Uh, there was just a lot of stuff that I was just not into. And the Deftones just kept putting out bangers. It took them like four years their, or three years. Their first years four or albums are, are untouchable. But yeah, this is like my college experience was around the fur. And then I love this album. Um, I love the album cover too. Then White Pony came out like two thousand one. Is that right? Two thousand. Two thousand. And White Pony is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Well, easily production wise, easily through the roof. Yeah, the production on that album is ridiculous. And then it sounds so good. Of all the bands, like they put their fourth album as their self-titled. Self-titled. Like who the fuck does that? Self-titled. Yeah. Why are you being a dick? But even that's great, man. Fucking hexagram. And they had dude and oh. battle axe. Oh, bloody cape. And they have some of the coolest like album covers. Yeah. Like the album cover for the self-titled is just so badass. Every but one of them. I mean, White Pony is pretty cool, but like every one of their album covers is sweet. Yeah. I'm pretty, is that a douche on the cover of Adrenaline? What the fuck is that? That's a. That's a. It's like a snot sucker. It's a snot sucker. It's a baby bottle. Oh, okay. For, for a nostril, <laughs> that's yeah. That's what I thought it was. And yeah. I've, I've never actually looked at it and been Me neither. Like, oh. That's the first time I've actually looked at a, it myself. Like, what is this? Yeah, it's a booger sucker. Oh. I, just, I used to love the fucking way. He would growl because he oh. wasn't. He didn't sound like he an literally animal. Literally, just like. <laughs> he was so intense, man. Yeah, and his dude, the younger anybody who's even remotely into the Deftones, if you haven't gone on YouTube and looked for some live videos of Chino when he was a fucking teenager, dude was doing backflips on stage and before he got off, big and heavy. Yeah, yeah, jumping off full stacks of amps into the audience with his fucking little mop of dreadlocks on his yeah. head. Screaming, they used to call him the screaming cat because he would do that shit where he would just bury the mic in his mouth and go and like squeal. Like, I don't even know yeah. how you do that yeah, with your voice. Some of the stuff he his, the noises he makes are ridiculous. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of effects on it. You know, there's a right. lot of effects, especially later on as he, of but course, he has as he pure got older. power but behind his yeah, voice. Yeah, he the fact that he goes from that like ASMR, right, really quiet, like intimate sound, All right. To just, to just shredding, shredding. His, oh God! Like his vocal cords must be just destroyed at the end of the night. Yeah, him uh, and like the and the, it's like very similar to like uh, what's his name Anselmo from Pantera. Yes, yeah, yeah. Where like you know at every night that those dudes are like drinking the tea with honey because right. their their vocal <laughs> right. cords are just done. Oh my God! And it's like how do they keep that up? You know so I mean? so when so it, what made you eventually revisit? 
around the fur and be like, oh, this is that band that... Because I had I had similar stuff with, like, Sublime. I when I first heard Sublime, you, man... You want to know what it was? I hated it because I hated the people that listened to right, it. Right, And then right. I got to college and, like, my stoner friend was like, yeah. dude... You will like it. Sublime's good shit. Listen, you know, forty ounces is good. I'm not 40, big on. I'm not big on the one that made them famous, but the first mm. one, forty ounces of freedom, is a masterpiece. Forty ounces of freedom is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can get into that in a minute, but but yeah, um, around you, like, the fur, I literally, it. I think I was at a CD shop, and around that time when I was getting into heavy shit, and it was in the bin for like three bucks or something, or like I remember, it was like a this. UCD, and I was like. I was like, and I've read somewhere, like, if you're going to jump into Deftones, check out Around the Fur, it's a classic. And I just picked it up, and then uh, it just, I just ended up playing it for weeks on end in my CD, man. And I was like, how did I not know about this band? So then, of course, I had to jump into everything, White Pony and all that shit. And I was just like... Yeah, because this has Be Quiet and Drive. Yes. Another band that I... This was the album that made MTV want them to do an unplugged record, and they were like, fuck off. And then White Pony came out, and MTV came back again, and they were like, you need to do an unplugged show. And they were like, but we're a plugged-in band. Right. I saw, like, I had a Deftones DVD. <laughs> I had a lot of music DVDs of my favorite bands. Um, but on a Deftones DVD, they talk about how they, like, finally convinced them to do it. And they were just kind of like, well, like, let's just do it and get it over with. But then some of the versions, like the change in the House of Flies acoustic version... Got its own like single status and radio play. Mm. All the pieces of this album are perfect. Even the little like, even the little hits on the cymbals and shit. They're drummers. An animal. Yep. Abe Cunningham. And that, like, dissonant, just fucking ring that he does with his voice. Yeah. The note. Oh. Still going. Yeah, there's all these little, like... I'm a guitar guy, and I don't even know the guitarist's name in this band. But I always remember Abe Cunningham, because... He was. He became one of my favorite drummers because there's yeah. nothing overly complicated about what no. he does. But when you really listen to how, like, oh, the last time he did two hits, and this time he did a triplet on the right, bass drum right. and then opened the hi-hat. Yeah. Like, there's all these little differences that raise the, like, anticipation of driving into the chorus. And so much of it is is what he's doing with the drums that's, like... They're just a fantastic band all yeah. around. They're one of, they're, I've seen them live three times. Yeah, I've I would like, like I've never seen them live. I would three love different to. generations. I saw them during White Pony. I saw them during Self Titled, and then I saw them. Uh, God, and the last time I saw them was shit with uh, Taproot and somebody else. Oh, White Pony. So oh. It's sad to say now, but like you can hear the beginnings of Fred Durst in that oh, yeah. song. Oh, like absolutely. You can literally hear Limp Biscuit forming from a fucking evil gel somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope, somewhere between Corn and the Deftones. That's yeah. where Limp Biscuit was born. Yeah. Because like that song and it's a shame because they they made they gave New Battle a bad name. Yeah. Because like yeah. this whole genre I mean, 
these guys were it. Mm-hmm. Deftones, in my opinion, are the by far the best thing to ever come out of that whole movement. Yes, um, I would have to agree. Just as not just a new metal band, but just a band in general. Like they're just fucking awesome. Yeah, I was always trying to find the next like new Deftones. So like I was, I was You're all not about, gonna hear it. Nope, I was all about Limp Biscuit because they actually opened. Right, for the I like some of their shit. I was all about Linkin Park when that first album dropped. I was like, dude, these guys are going to be the next Deftones. Did not like that. And then they got super popular. Yeah, they were gay as fuck. And I was like, get away. Um, but the 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 Deftones mm. thing was like, Some I don't of know. Limp Bizkit's early stuff is, is palatable. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, then, it's so hard. It's really like, it's really just Fred. That's the worst part. He's just a douchebag. Yeah. But, but, Even uh, Wes Borland, the guitarist. He's cool. Is a Bark Market fan. Yeah. He thanks he's, he's Bark cool. Market in his records. And I was no, like. No, that guy was the only guy with talent in that whole fucking yeah. lineup. Well, that's why he kept quitting. And it was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> he kept leaving He had the such band. a cool look, too. He used to mess, play, put the shit oh. in his eyes and yep. stuff. Yeah. He was always cool looking. I was like, what is he doing with this outfit? Like, with Yo. this band? Like, he just seemed out of place. You yeah. know what I mean? Taproot was another band. Also, Relative Ash. Have you ever heard Relative Ash? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's probably not a great album. If, if you were just to hear it, you'd be like, who are these fucking Deftones wannabes? Right. But the oldest kid was 19 when they recorded their only album. It's called Our Time With You. Right. And it's about how at, at 17 years old, the lead singer, he got his girlfriend pregnant and his dad died of AIDS from a blood transfusion in the same year that mm. his son was born. He was, like, fucking 17. The youngest one is, like, 15. It's, like, the bass player or something for that band is 15 years old. Wow. And um, so they do, like, they, they have a song called Pout. And, like, he's very whiny. He's very much, like, a Chino clone. Um, but they were, like, Chicago's little Deftones for a while. And I'll still like I'll still rock that Relative Ash album because the guitars in it are amazing, the musicianship for these teenagers is incredible, but they did they you know didn't really stand out too much. Ooh yeah. I mean these guys are late nineties. Well, that's where Caius Caius was the the birth of Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. They just had a different singer. Rated R. The year 2000. Their first album came out in 98, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, their self-title came out in 98. Do you, do you listen to Caius much? Have you heard? You'll have to listen to... Um, sometime put... Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, by the way. <sighs> Queens of the Stone Age, baby. Sometime put uh, Sky Valley from Caius on and listen to it. It's the one that's got Space Cadet on it. Okay. Um, that's Josh Homme's band before Queens of the Stone Age. They had a different singer who's very much more like an 80s hair metal kind of guy. What's this called? Caius. Caius. K-Y-U-S-S. Oh, yes! Yeah. I've heard their stuff. It's so... Yes. Dude, they, it's It's the, the beginning There's of... There's one song by them that I really, really like. It's definitely the beginning of Josh Homme's obsession with microphones and amps. Yes. Because the one thing I like about him as a, as a guitar player and a singer, he's like, as long as you have the microphone you want and the amp you want, it doesn't matter what anything else you have. You can have a shitty guitar. You can have a shitty, like, as long as you have good speakers, good microphone, you're great. So this was the band before. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Caius was, and they do. So this counts. This is the 90s band. Yeah. This is the 90s. Totally. Band. First album, 91. Oh, damn. Everything is super lo-fi. Right. Um, 
There is one song that I've heard by them that I have oh, okay. on like all of my freaking workout soundtracks, and I can't remember which which one it is. Hmm, could be like it's Hurricane one of their. It's probably or... like their most popular one. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's like that's the funny thing. They never really had. They were like the original stoner rock. Here it is. Gods. Gardenia. Gardenia. Yes. Yeah, this is the opening for the album, right? For Sky Valley. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. It's all so fuzzy, oh, dude. Oh, yeah. So fuzzy. Oh, I love this song. Uh, oh, this is so good. Especially on this. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was made for this. This is on MQA, too, so it's uh, master quality. Oh, sweet. That's why it sounds so good. Welcome to Sky Valley is another one of my, like, high school albums. That's the thing about... Um, this guy, he does all his music. He converts it all to MQA, tied like oh, high res. All this, this is all stuff from the '90s. He had converted over to high res. That's great. Along with a lot of the stuff from Queen of the Stone Stone Age, but this stuff in particular is all fucking MQA, high level. Yes. That's why it sounds so good. The other album that's really great is the one right before this, which is Blues for the Red Sun. Blues for the Red Sun, Apothecary's Weight. Fucking songs on that record are amazing. So blues for the red sun, if you can save that to like a... Once again, like, all of these bands at the same time, yeah, just kicking ass and saving <laughs> yeah, games. Like, like, I don't care what any of those fuckers say from like, this from band. the 60s and 70s. Like, the 90s had such good music, like, on every level. Like, the- hip-hop, this stuff, like, your more run-in-the-mill alternative yeah. stuff, like so good yeah it really was i mean there were there were bands that were practically unheard of that had a sound that just never like took off but it was right. very unique super unique and just rocked the fuck out but it just rocked my this, buddy andy who loves our podcast who i was telling you who wants to be on the show yes he was just saying it. like we've had this conversation numerous times where he's like i just can't even listen to this shit nowadays he's like because nobody has any ballsy rock like nobody rocks out like they did 25 no. years ago like what and we sound so old saying that i do like I we, really feel we old. sound like get off my lawn like we sound like boomers <laughs> talking about like nothing's better than the 70s man, better, man. you know what i mean beat fog hat it's know? terrible <laughs> it's so terrible no this this reminds me of i literally like this album this time. this song is seven minutes of yeah. just fucking power. <coughs> I love it. I love it. On the original on the original album, there's only three tracks, and there's three songs per track. Wow. Like they split it up later, but in the original CD, there's only three tracks, and you have to listen to all three songs at once, like in a row. Space could add seven minute song too. Yo, listen to that bass. All that scratching. Oh, it's yeah, so man. good. This is desert stoner rock. Oh, it's so good. These guys also led me to Monster Magnet. Another good, more 2000s, but again, right there in the in like the late 90s stoner rock era. Oh, I definitely got to jump into this album. Yeah. Because I just know this song. I never got into the whole album. That's awesome. But you said it, and you were like, because I always, like, I always would read it on my list. I'd like, kiss. Kiss? Kiss? Like kiss? what? What is this kiss? Because yeah, I heard man. it on like a a random playlist, and I was like, "What is this fabulous song?" Yeah, I was like, 
and it so just became good. part of like one of my heavy workout playlists. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's every member of Queens of the Stone Age except for the lead singer whose name was David. No, something I can't even remember oh. now. It's such cock rock. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. Unfortunately, the batteries died, so hopefully we got through most of the Caius discussion. I'm recording again. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, last time I looked at the at the recorder, it was like I'm gonna be really pissed if we didn't talk about Caius, though. Um. But anyway, you were saying Tool was a band that you didn't get into in high school, or no, at I the mean, time. I, I knew of them, and I just, you know... Just too heavy? Yeah. At the time, too much. Too scary. Too dark. Yeah. I was, like, still in my, like, Grateful Dead. Like, yeah, no. I, I remember, I don't remember which guitarist friend it was, but it was another one, you know, gave me that, you know, you don't know Tool? <laughs> I was like, no... So he gave me his copy of Undertow, and that's the first one I ever had. The, like, unedited... Has the naked dude lying on the naked fat woman in the middle of it. And then they had to, like, re-release it. It's a double LP. This is like a beautiful, it's like a beautiful circle because, for me anyway, because my buddy Nick, who was the guy that would say whatever to whoever we went to go see the Jimmy Chicken Shack show with, um, he's the guy that got me in a tool. And at the time, Undertow was out, so he's the one that gave me his copy of uh, Undertow. Um, An opiate, actually, their EP, their very very first EP. And dude, I was blown away. I was blown away by Maynard's voice. I mean, uh, like it's it's classically considered one of the greatest fucking rock voices of all time. Yeah, he's up there with Cornell. And it's just there's just so much vulnerability in the sound of his voice, but then he also like but he also goes so fucking hard and like he punishes his voice oh, in yeah. some of these early records. And there's always been a very mathematical like almost progressive metal take to their their rhythms and their meters. Oh, these, and these stuff are a pro- like they're a prog rock band. I mean, in yeah. a lot of a lot of sense. And uh, but it's definitely in the earlier ones. It's it's less than it is now. Now right. it almost feels like on purpose. They're like, let's do it in nine eight. Right. Let's and do it in 11, four. 14 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But there's there there hasn't been this is such a tight album. Like just yeah, no fat. Undertow, Undertow is incredible. This, this, and like Swamp Song and Four Degrees. Uh, I mean, besides Sober, which is still one of my favorite songs to actually play and cover on an acoustic guitar, just an acoustic and the voice. Um, but yeah, I think Anima, Anima is always gonna be my favorite of theirs because it was just like. It was it was the peak for me of their sound. It's fucking fifteen tracks deep. I mean, three of them are that like interludes, but Third Eye is thirteen and a half yeah. minutes long. Love that song. We used to when when my buddy and I were driving home from college, we used to you know it was like nine hours from the middle of Ohio, and we would always put Third Eye on at the same point in the trip when we were like fifteen minutes from home. 
Because by the time we were like pulling into town, the, the animus song, was ending. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so good. Uh, these guys are just ridiculous musicians. Yep. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter what 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 the music is or how. It's just like talk about like perfect, just everything. Yeah, Danny Carey is a, an amazing drummer. Amazing. I mean, they're all the whole thing. It's just like holy shit. Yeah, and he fucking Adam. The guitarist, like, worked for Industrial Light and Magic or something. Yeah. He was, like, a special effects guy. And they just kind of rocked out in his spare time. And Keenan's almost, like, a mythical figure at this yeah. point. Like, the dude's so, like, on another level. Yeah, I would love that he's, like, making wine in yeah, Arizona right wine, now. Yeah. I would love to get did a you bottle listen, of it. Do you like, like his other band, Pussifer? Oh, yeah. No, they're they're yeah. pretty good, dude. Pussifer's yeah. great. Yeah. They're, like... And I liked Perfect Circle too when it came I out. I love Perfect Circle. Definitely more yeah. like, like more accessible. straightforward rock. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they're the um. It's James Eha. Uh, conditions for my parole. Conditions for my parole is my favorite Pussifer album because they, again, it's like they did some really. Their first couple releases were just jokes, you know. Their first album is a two-track EP called yeah. Country Boner. <laughs> but then, like, they started to get real serious about songwriting, and it, Conditions for My Parole is an incredible album. It's got Green Valley on it. Just, like, a whole song about eras, like, finding life in the desert and uh, sailing the, the, the Verde River and all that kind of stuff. Right. And Conditions for My Parole, which is all about a guy who wants to stay in jail because his... He killed his wife, but he knows she's a vampire and she's gonna kill him when he gets out. <laughs> like, come on. That's good. Co- I mean, come on! Come on! I love they all have like their own chicken dance. Like, they all have their own personalized version of it. It's so good. <laughs> Throw it back to Arrested Development. Not Tool. Tool yeah. doesn't have their own chicken no. dance. Uh, maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, the he, lyrics of this song are just so fucking brutal. Yeah. Like, it's literally about, like, getting raped in prison. Like, it's fucking, yeah. it's so ridiculous. Like, the first time I heard this, I was like, oh my god. Well, that's why, like, the, the opening track on Enema. You're breathing, so I guess you're still alive. Like, holy shit. Yeah. The but opening he's got track. this voice. I think his voice on this song is, like, one of my favorites of, like, how you can really hear it. It's all. It's, it's one of those albums that I can only play when nobody else is home. Yeah. Because I must play it loud, and it's mm-hmm. not child friendly, and it's just scares my wife. So, <laughs> which makes me love it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Four degrees is probably like I was way. I was really into sober and Swamp Song and and this song. I mean, everybody loves sober. Because they hit. The big one, yeah. Because yeah. they're they hit really hard, and it, it took me a while to come around to the rest of the songs really on this album. But Four Degrees is the one that I'm. I still listen to it, and I'm like, this is a masterpiece. But um, like as far as his lyrics and like subject matter and stuff, the first track on Enema is called Stink, Stink Fist. Fist. Love it. And it's all about. Eulogy's fisting. Like Eulogy is incredible. H, H is like H seems like a clear reference to heroin, but it's also all about like a child being born and like seeing yourself in their eyes and like it's just fucking wild, man. Oh, dude. Stink fist Keenan's is like so out there. <clears throat> they had to call it track number one 
on MTV, they refused. They couldn't play it. They refused to call it Stinkfist. Stinkfist. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it is. It's, it's all about... It's very referential. He says, knuckle deep in the borderline, yeah. and then the second time they do the chorus, it's finger deep, and then he says, yeah. elbow deep oh, in he's, the He's all about borderline. sodomy. All about fisting, man. Yeah. It's so good. But it's the sound of this song? Yup. It's the way the bass and the fucking drums mix. And their videos? Yeah. Dude, the claymation videos videos. are so terrifying. Oh, so good. We could literally do a whole podcast just on Tool. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. It's another... Every one of their albums could be like a fucking 20-minute, like, uh, conversation. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um... I think Lateralist is another one of my I love favorite that. ones. I, lo- I like them all. Yeah, you know, there's up, something up, up, up until like the last few years. Ten Thousand Days has some really good shit on it. Yep, Ten Thousand Days. And even their new really one, like their new one was good, but it's not like their their first few. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. like yeah, Fear Inoculum felt a lot like that's the latest one. That yeah. that felt like there is one banger on that album. Yeah, is it Tempest? Anything about I, Tempest? I, Give me a second. Or Sevenist. There's one of them that's like a long song and it's ridiculous. Yeah, Tempest is my favorite because it's the one that's in 7-8 and the fucking guitar just rocks, dude. And it sounds really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, 10,000 Days I liked. I found a lot of stuff on it that I really liked. Yeah. But uh, but Enema and Lateralist are probably... Because yeah. Lateralist has Parabola. Yes. Parable, Parabola. Oh, I love that song. Parabola is literally a song that I, I feel like I faced death listening to parabola that that song was around when i was going through chemotherapy and cancer and the lyrics for that song have never made so much sense to me as when i felt like i could die in a month you know a lot of guitar on this album Mm -hmm. a lot more of like high guitars you know compared to like the first couple albums there's a lot of bass driven this album seemed like it was like almost like lighter, airier. Yeah, but still, still yeah, yeah. heavy, but like had more. I don't know layers to it. Mm. Oh. Uh, but yeah, just like and that Tool, Tool and Maynard are another one of the reasons why. Um, you know, he never prints his lyrics. No, and it's because he says that he doesn't want. He doesn't want someone, something that someone else will take from the music to be affected by what he was thinking about when he wrote it. Like, if you have an experience listening to it and you think I said this word, and all of a sudden I'm like, it, right? yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden I'm like, no, it's not. That's not right, what I said. Right. You, it loses something for you. He wants you. you to take out of it what you want. You yeah. I mean? yeah. Which is, you know, something that I definitely, I still like printing my lyrics when I write a song. But um, I don't like to over-explain songs. Like, if I'm playing an original song, I don't like to be like, this song that I wrote about this, because it's, you know, for that reason. Because I thought that was, like, a really mature perspective to have as a songwriter. This was, when I heard this on this album, I remember I was like, dude. And the echo. The fucking tape delay? Oh! This out, this song kicks so much ass. When it comes in, it's like vintage tool. Like, yeah, this should have been on like one of their older albums. It sounds so fucking good, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. The mid range. 
So once again, for all those listening at home, that's that's <laughs> the sound of 25 watts of tube amp <laughs> running through 100 decibel gigantic clip speakers. Mm. Like you only need 25 watts of push pull power <laughs> to make that much noise on a fucking speaker like this. It's absolutely terrifying. That that was at half that was at half notch. That was at 12 o'clock. That's fucking crazy. Isn't that scary? That is fucking crazy. Like literally I could probably put these upstairs in the main, you know, my lofted living room. Yeah. And still yeah. blow the fucking roof off the place with these speakers. Oh, I at, bet. At full tilt. Easily. Easily. They don't make speakers like this anymore. They're easily the best investment I've ever made. I say it on every show and I don't care. That's no but it, Speakers is where like you put your money. Yep. And for what I paid for these and what they're gonna be worth in a couple years, it's ridiculous. Because they just keep going up mm. in value. Because these so these are perfect for the show because these speakers were made in the wonderful year of 1997. There you go. Oh, yes. The speakers that we just listened to are 20-something years old. That's insane. Yeah. And, and they I know sound you, that good. Yeah, you replaced a couple of things, I did. but not I did. a lot. All I did was replace the titanium tweeters, the tweeter diaphragms, and the very top tweeter. Right. And I glued the um, the cabinets together because the glue was coming they, undone. Right, right. yeah, they're rattling. Twenty year old glue. Now they're from tight, a as, tight as a drum. Third party company yep. or whatever. Dude, it's so good. And now they're tight as a drum. And I literally, I'll never, I'll be buried with these speakers because <laughs> you can hear why. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a big ass box. Yeah. I think we're gonna have to run power to the coffin too. Just <laughs> yeah. Keep them playing. They're eighty eight pounds a piece. Hmm. I dropped one on my toe and it's still black four months later. <laughs> My toenails just waiting to fall. <laughs> you off. might want to get it checked out. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Oh, oh, that's. I think we've uh, we've run to the end, right? We have, yeah. Dude, that time we got just a handful flew. of minutes. We totally flew. did. Yeah, like, we were just like, cruising. we've been here like an hour and a half, we and we probably cruising. lost fucking fifteen minutes of what we were talking about during Caius. Um, but anyway, if we did lose any of it, go listen to Caius. Yes. Welcome to Sky Valley, because that's a fucking quintessential '90s. Josh Holmes' first Desert band. Desert Rock album. The guy from Queens of the Stone Age. Because I think that's how we got onto it was Queens yeah. of the Stone Age. Yeah, yeah, You launched in the Queens of the After Stone Filter. Age. And I was like, it's okay. We covered uh, a lot of ground. We covered a lot of We did. I'm heavy, really happy Heavy with stuff. This, we got into about. some cool heavy bands. We got some cool like post-punk shit. Like yeah. Fugazi. Right. Industrial. Yep. Yep. And Tool, which is basically like. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're rounding the, it out. For the modern. We're rounding it out with the Kings. Yeah. <laughs> We even heard some vinyl. Yeah. Hit. I think really often there are early albums from bands where, you know, the, the singers really kind of push in their voice and they're, they're in, in a sense, kind of hurting themselves. They're blowing their wad. And then by the time you get to later albums, they're more reserved and they're holding back, right? Maynard is like the exact opposite. He gets stronger. Almost. I feel like he was he was a, a well. That's what happens when you only do one album every like ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, right? Yeah, he got and time you only for, tour every ten years. He got time for all of his shit to come back together. But yeah. especially in Opiate and even Undertow, it's like he's almost unsure of his own ability to sing. And then by the time you get to Lateralist, he's yeah. like, "Listen to me, fucking bro!" Like he's like a fucking <laughs> opera singer. He really is, dude. And it's it's incredible. Because his tiny, range is he's sick, this tiny too. little dude. 
also connected to uh, Rage Against the Machine's first album. Yes. Because Maynard does that. Maynard does the, uh, what, what song is that? You've Got to Go, I think it's Bullet in the Head. Bullet in the Head, one of them. Is it? Yeah, he's on the first <sighs> album in yeah, the chorus, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but all he does is, you must burn. Yeah. He does that screaming, Rage's first album. Yeah, it's classic. Oh, good shit. Well, thank you for fucking listening to some of my favorite songs and records and on this <laughs> wonderful sound cave system again. This was just the rocking episode. It was. Just lots of cock rock. <laughs> just so much balls. Unadulterated testosterone. <laughs> so much, so much 20-year-old balls in here. Yeah. They just don't make it like they used to. Oh. Well, fuck yeah. Thank you, dude. Um, yeah. Till next time, we should figure out what we're going to talk about next time. 90s part three. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say <laughs> All of a sudden, we could just keep doing. Melomaniacs became a podcast about nineties rock. <laughs> Maybe we found our niche. That's right. This is all I want to talk about over and over again. I'm going to go get that Die Cheerleader album. We can talk about well, Riot Girls you know, next time. It's a testament to like if you're passionate about something, you're going to make it interesting if you talk about it. You know what I mean? True. So like if we're passionate about this music, especially the nineties stuff, yeah. it makes it more fun for the listeners because you know we're talking about straight from the heart. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. There's only so many episodes where I can sit here and go, no, I've never heard of them. Play something for me. Right. Right. <laughs> it's more fun when we're both on the same page. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now I'm going to have to go listen to, uh, the you know tool for the longest time too never put their stuff on digital right it was only just this past year that they uh, switched going to streaming yeah. yeah yeah and so now you can you can stream you get all, all their stuff shit, yeah which is this great this is title we're listening to right now this is them on title i don't want to have to pay for another service but no i don't damn, get title files no because spot of so good dude though. for all of our listeners also spotify is coming out with spotify hi-fi towards the end of the year awesome and it's gonna just like destroy everybody else because spotify already has the best user interface the best algorithms right the only thing they're lacking is the high-res service which is like the reason why all of us like people like me have to go and buy deezer or tidal or cobuzz or all these high-res services amazon hd has a decent it's it's decent too but um once that comes i'm ditching all my subscriptions to everything else and just going so title will not be a sponsor for the for the podcast, but as much as I love MQA, <laughs> the sound of it and the high res stuff, I just can't justify the expense twenty dollars extra a month Whew. when I could get basically the same thing with Spotify and more selection, right? For yeah, cheaper, yeah. Because you know yeah, I'm sure not too many people are. They're gonna decimate if they come out with a really good service that's affordable. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm finally. I'm glad I finally got into it because it it has been. I I've converted. Like I've switched everything over. I don't. I I got rid of my podcast services. I do all my podcasts through Spotify now. Right. It's very easy. Yeah. I'm looking. That's what everybody listens on. Like while I'm creating new albums, I'm still gonna be putting stuff on Bandcamp for my personal stuff. But right. like everything, I'm investing the money to put it through TuneCore to put it on Spotify because sure. it's, it's just too easy and it's. Like you said, it's a nice interface. So they can sponsor us. Or not. That'd be nice. Either way. Thank you again, man. It was a good time. Yep. And until uh, next time, we'll let Tool bring us out. Yeah. Oh, hell. Descending. Mm. Off the new album. 
Oh, this is the one. Now it's it's this one. It's Seven Empest. Yes. Tempest motherfucker. Tempest. That's what I called it. I don't know what else. Seven Empest. Seven Empest. Because it's literally it's a seven. Yeah. Seven just. I think this is the one that I was listening to when I was working out the one day, and I was like, "Oh my!" This God. is this is the banger on the album. Yeah. Like the the where it goes into like old tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The self-titled single was really good, but yes. this this is. Yeah. They always have that one song on the album. Seven like, eight man, seven eight meter through the whole song. Fifteen minutes. Shit. Shit, man. 